0: Welcome to the Missouri Woods and Water Podcast with your hosts for today's show,
1: Nate and Micah, back again. What's up, bud? How are you, my friend? Feeling better? I feel a lot better, man. I was down and out. Yeah, it, yeah. Was, it was rough, but back at it. So, Dude, and
0: this has been a, we had a busy weekend, so we're recording this... 28th. On a Monday. Monday. Yeah, the 28th. Uh, it'll come out about a week from today. And we had a busy weekend. We had a lot going on. A lot well, of... you had more than me. Well, sure. But as a group, I guess, I, I spent half my weekend down in Nevada, Missouri, watching my son play some baseball. And then uh, got lucky enough, we got to go to the Heartland premiere together on Saturday night.
1: Yeah, that was a fun time. I mean, we've we gone a few times, and then we went with Grant. Uh, he's gone, like, every year, it I, sounds I think like. he has, yeah. He might have missed one or two in there, but... I mean, he's been going since they started. Yeah. So, so we got to, Grant took his son, and you took your yeah, daughter. Took Brindley. I was single for the night. Yeah. And then, oh, uh, we saw a lot of people we know up there too. Yeah, quite a few uh, friends, friends of the show, friends of friends type thing. And I mean, yeah, I had a great time there. Got to meet the guys at the Boot Hill Hunting Camp podcast. <laughs> yeah, that that was kind of funny how that worked out. Like, I posted a picture, you know, just standing there in line, and like. Five minutes later, this big, he's a big guy. Uh, uh, Kyle. Kyle's his name. He came up. He's like kind of in the general area, and he just screams out, Hey, where's the Missouri Woods and Water guys? I know you're up. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> uh, that's me. Uh, that's funny. <laughs> so it, it was pretty humorous. Yeah, I got to
0: see some uh, some guests we've had on. Brian, uh, Bryce James yep. was there. Um, a guy that won the beaver pelt in the episode with uh, – with our buddy Ethan, uh, he was up there. Uh, his him and his wife and brother Ryan Flippin was up there. So what's up, Ryan? Good to see you. Um, hell, we saw. Let's see, a couple dudes from Odessa. Tris, um, Tyler Jarvis was there. Yeah, Tristan Williams there from
1: Midwest.
0: Yep, wife um, Kevin Maynard. Uh, yeah, uh, grew up with his older brother. He was up there. So, yeah, we saw, oh, Cody Giffen. He's from our uh, same town. Yep. Me and his older brother grew up together, saw him. so.
1: and then, of course, we had all the Heartland Bowhunter guys there, you know. You know, got to talk with our buddy Ty. Always good talking with him and Sean and Michael. and Yeah, it it was a good time. Got to see some – got the first view of the upcoming season. Dude, I I really enjoyed the the, the Heartland Bowhunter video.
0: Now, full – disclosure i was probably already gonna enjoy the heartland bow hunter video over the heartland waterfowl video yeah just it's more our more our cup of tea yeah uh, but it, it was pretty good i mean the the what was the the buck's name what they call him twin 10 twin 10 that's right you know when he come out of the corn stalks just the quality of the video Mm -hmm.
1: dear lord i mean that's i mean especially on a big screen right and we say it every time we talk about those guys uh but i mean they do they just have the best production value out there in my opinion yeah so i mean it was was really enjoyable we walked away with i think brinley got two free hats a cup you know they throw stuff out i mean it's fun if you guys have never been to one
0: let's talk about strategy Let's talk about strategy.
1: As far as getting free stuff, going to the premiere. Okay. Well, first off, you either got to buy your tickets extremely early. You as far- buy, you I'm to- talking about your raffle tickets. Oh, because everybody about that, part. that won their number. <laughs> I'm t- yes, I'm talking crap, Heartland. You didn't mix. <laughs> you, you didn't mix your stuff up enough. You didn't even come close to my numbers. I came close once. I didn't. I well, I'm pretty sure I might have won something. I don't even know. Brindley had my cards the whole time. And, <laughs> I mean, she knows how what numbers are. But <laughs> no, I helped. I helped her. You okay, did. you did. But yeah, but no. And you I was, know, I was talking about like getting in line, right? So
0: there were some people that got there at noon for a six thirty. 630- you're crazy for that. <laughs> I mean, six thirty opening doors. You got there about, what, 5.30 with your daughter?
1: No, I mean, we probably walked in line, got there. It was probably around 5.45-ish, 5.50, somewhere. If you don't care about getting free stuff,
0: my strategy was the best. I walked in at, like, 6.35, and I walked right in the doors. Yeah,
1: doors opened at 6.30, and they probably... Well, right after I got off the phone with you, which was like 627 or something like that, like they opened like right then. And, I mean, everybody blew yeah. through the door and, you know. So, if you don't care about getting
0: stuff, show up a little bit, in you know, like 10 minutes late, and then you'll just basically walk in after everybody's been in. Yeah.
1: Now, if you want free stuff. Get there a little bit You early. Did Brindley get a cup? Yeah, Brindley got a cup. I got another Onyx Elite membership, which I am probably shouldn't awesome. say that because then people will start showing up a little earlier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something. they already know about it. Yeah but yeah. so yeah I, I walked away with one of those so yeah. i was like get, he gave me the choice he's like you want a cup or you want the you know the hundred dollar gift card to onyx i'm like yeah i'll, I'll take, take that one card. i'll take the gift card i don't need a cup man yeah <laughs> it's uh it's a fun time it's kind of like our you know time
0: out yeah every year you know yeah, just like, go i don't do stuff i don't do stuff i don't enjoy this is gonna sound bad i don't really enjoy people all that much <laughs> <laughs> so you know i don't
1: i don't go out and. Yeah, just party, hang Party, I guess you'd say. Yeah, and hang out. Yeah, but so it, it's always fun to go up there and talk with those guys and, you know, get to watch some awesome hunting videos and just hang out. Yeah. Just a nice, chill
0: evening. Had some fun with that. And then, uh, let's see, that was Saturday. And then yesterday, <clears throat> which I posted about some of it mm-hmm. on um, whatever the hell those social media things, Instagram and, and the old Facebook and I got to go set up my Link system. How did that go? Break it down for me, because so I have yet to do it. Remember, I have had never been a user of Cuttalink before mm-hmm. our partnership with them. Andy had been, but you and I hadn't used them before. Yeah. So you and I are, you know, learning. Yeah. Uh, after our show with Dan, I decided to not just use my camera as a home camera, and I decided to get the cell yeah. service. Yep. So I set it up. I went through all my cameras here at home first, <clears throat> which I think was a big, a good thing. You know, I kind of got them all set up here and then here. So here's one negative. Those battery packs and cameras all together get heavy. So like my, my bag was heavy. I bet you're looking at probably 60 pounds. Well, or see. Close I had four it. battery packs that all had 60 batteries in them a piece. So that's 24 D batteries plus every camera had four, four. of them so, so that's, that's another 16 and that's just the batteries right
1: so you know <laughs> that was it that was heavy. interesting were but, you able to put the stands in there too you know no i just carried them <laughs> okay yeah, i just <laughs> <laughs> carried them
0: but so anyway um did all that got out there and really the only i ran into two small hiccups first hiccup i set up my cell camera first and I ran the cell test again out there. I'd already run it at home, but then I ran it out there again and it failed. Okay. And I'm like, there's no way I don't have service right here. So I ran it again and then it it was successful. So there one little tiny hiccup there. And then the way I was going to set the cameras up, I walked away from that first home unit and to my first camera that I was going to set up. And the, the link level was under 20 and it stayed that way. So then I was like, all right. So I went and set the other two cameras up before it. And then once I went and set that one up last, it must've been linking off of another one of the cameras because it's link level was, was good. Okay. So it was kind of doing two links to the home camera type of deal. Yeah. And it took, yeah, it took a, a little bit longer to set them up the first time than, cause we also set our cameras up at my other property I hunt with my, uh, with Russ and all those were all our old, old school cameras that, you know, I'm going to keep using cause I want to see pictures. Right. And I don't have uh, a cutting link system there yet. So I, those, yeah, it takes you two seconds to set a damn camera out when you have it ready to go. Mm-hmm. You put it you on use the tree. It,
1: you've used it a handful of times. You already know what you're doing. Right. So. But
0: sure. that cutting link system, it didn't take me a whole lot longer. And, then I got home, got on my Cuddyback um, camp website that I can see everything. All the cameras are up and running. And boom, I'm getting getting—I'm
1: already getting pictures sent. And- have you had to adjust anything yet? Not yet. Not yet. Nope. So everything's and that's good.
0: what's freaking awesome, dude. I yeah. can go into my computer. Mm-hmm. Let's say one of my cameras isn't taking good nighttime pictures and I need—I should have adjusted it. I should have put it on field instead of, I don't remember, up close or some, right. some stuff. I can go do it right here and I don't have to go out there. And uh, so far, so far, so good. I haven't had no issues and
1: um, I'm pretty happy with it so far. Awesome. Pretty damn excited. I kind of want to go with you. Well, I'm hoping you can just so, you know, you can just so the curve, the learning curve a little bit more or whatever. But my plan is hopefully this weekend, hopefully it stops raining that would be great it's a little bit dry which it shouldn't matter that much honestly uh but i'm gonna go out there this weekend mow some trails get some areas cleaned up that i need to get cleaned up and then i was gonna put my cameras out there so hopefully sunday or something like well sunday's fourth of july maybe we do it during the day during the day yeah we can do hopefully i might might get killed doing that but ah you'll be all right i'll just take a few hours and it's pretty close to your house so it's not that big of a deal but yeah, hopefully do that Saturday and Sunday and get mine rolling. I still haven't. Well, I got to talk to the wife see if it's all right if we do the sell plan. You know, I mean it's only what twenty bucks. Something like uh, that. Depends on which one you get. I did the uh, two thousand picture plan, which is
0: twenty bucks uh-huh. a month, and then I check mark the box like Dan said that if you go over
1: for five dollars more, you get another thousand pictures. So twenty five bucks for three thousand pictures, or you can go out there and pull the card and. Get all of them. You can do that too. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, uh, yeah, pretty happy so far. And while we're talking
0: about them, they are our sponsor on tonight's show Mm -hmm. or today's show. So, uh, check out, uh, cutty back, I think, um, and if you're buying stuff from them and you want to save 10%, uh, use our code M O W W 21 Mm -hmm. and you'll save 10% at checkout. Um,
1: That'll help you out a little bit. Yeah. So far, I'm pretty pretty happy. Yeah. I'm ex- I'm excited to get them going. Well, heck, man. Now I forgot. I still got to order my battery pack batteries. I have the batteries in my camera, but I got to order the ones for my battery packs.
0: I will make one recommendation to people.
1: What's that? Seems like through our show with Dan and through being on like
0: the cutback user groups and stuff, battery life is a, a potential issue because mm-hmm. of, like Dan said, you have to sacrifice something when you're there's constantly talking to each other. And sometimes the batteries don't last as long as just a camera you would walk to. Yeah. if you're gonna buy the system, I would go ahead and buy the external packs, the battery packs, Makes or sense. like a solar. I don't have a solar, but I think with the external packs, the 6D pack, and the camera, they should last through season. I, I would right? say at least through well, at least through me starting to hunt. Yeah. So, um because, what, it's J- June 28th. I set them out last night, yesterday, so June 27th. I would hope they make it July, August, September, October. I would hope they make it through December.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think he said, and obviously it varies, but I think he said with the packs you can usually get about six months. Yeah. If I remember right. So if I were, like, giving people recommendations, I would say go ahead up front and just buy the
0: external they're yeah, not
1: that expensive, really. Not really,
0: but it is more. But Right, you know, sure. But anyway, yeah. Uh, so yeah, use that code. But that was my experience with setting them up. I'm a brand new CuddyLink user, just like anybody else that hasn't used it before.
1: And if you're not a complete idiot, it really wasn't that hard to use. Yeah. Speaking or of a new, setup. Yeah. Speaking of new user, I started uh, using a thumb release. Andy. Uh, Andy was gracious enough to borrow, let me borrow his. Well, he was gonna <laughs> throw in the trash. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah. He's probably gonna get rid of it anyways. I was like, and I've been. Toying with the idea of trying one out. But uh, so I was able to. I've been shooting quite a bit, actually. I would try to shoot. I think I've. Out of the last five nights. Every day, hopefully, right now is what you're shooting for, you know? Yeah. I mean, I'm not shooting that much, but I'd say three out of the last five I've been shooting and uh, getting comfortable with that thumb release. I think I'm going to like it. You know, I've seen every once in a while. So you think you're going to make the Switch totally this year? I think so. You know, I mean. Dude, I say I, that. I did not see that coming from you. I, I think so. I, I'd i like to get a higher quality one, if I can, uh, just because the one that, I mean, nothing against what Andy's obviously just let me use it. But, uh, I mean, it's one of the cheaper ones. I mean, it just is what it is. So, I'd really like to, you know, maybe get one of the higher quality. see if that helps out any. But, to be honest, I mean, I feel – decently comfortable with it i've been shooting consistent at 40 yards and you know besides the once every once in a blue moon i'll do something weird and they'll go off but i mean pretty tight groups so i mean i'm pretty happy with it nice so as long as it, and as long as i can stick with it and keep going with it i'm gonna go gonna go full thumb, <laughs> full thumb? go full thumb <laughs> is that a saying now <laughs> go full thumb <laughs> well there's a one uh, there was that's that you never go full retard, you know. <laughs> off that what movie is that? Is that? that was a Tropic hilarious. Thunder. Yeah, Tropic like Thunder. That. Yeah, yeah. Go full thumb. <laughs> yeah.
0: All right, let's talk about today's show. How about that? Yeah. Uh, if you remember, uh, we did our 2020 recap and listener question show. It was episode 36. We had one of our listeners who hopefully is still a listener, um, Clayton Graham. Okay. Clayton asked a question about
1: Missouri's M-RAP program. Yep, the Missouri Outdoor Recre- Recreational Program, and we had no idea what he was talking about. Whenever he asked that, so we did a quick search, looked it up, and we kind of gave our little two cents about it from what we read. But we wrote down our notes. Hey, it'd probably be a good idea to have somebody set it on the show. Yeah, we should do a show on that. And yeah, I wrote, jotted it down that day and
0: we finally are doing it now. and here we are here we are yeah so, so today's show it, we have on lisa potter with the missouri department of conservation who is a farm bill coordinator i think and something along those lines she she's in charge of it yeah she, <laughs> she does she does the mrap program she she comes on and talks about what it is how a landowner could get involved how a how you can access how them, you can access it all that sort of the stuff the different you know, 14,000 acres. That's pretty cool. That's yeah. She
1: talks about, uh, I did a quick search just a second ago just to see. And there's, I mean, there's none particularly close to me, like real close, but definitely within an hour of places I could go and try some hunting yeah. for sure. So, so, um, it's about, you know, like I said, she, she does a
0: really good job of kind of painting a picture, at least giving you an idea of what it is. Uh, cause if you're like us and you didn't know anything about it, There you go. You'll you'll know something about it. So uh, we're going to jump into the show. This is the Missouri Woods and Water Podcast. Okay, with us today is Lisa Potter with MDC. Lisa, how is it going?
2: Oh, it's going great, enjoying the evening and uh, ready for some of this rain to, to stop for, and bring out the sun for a little bit.
1: <laughs> yeah. Hey. If, it's, if it's not one, it's the other, it seems like in Missouri. Right. Exactly, it's either right. hot or cold or raining or, yeah, it's just, yeah,
0: it's a mess. <laughs> What's the the term if you don't like the weather here, wait 10 minutes? Yeah, something like yeah. that. Yeah,
2: And that's usually true, for sure.
0: Uh, Lisa, we're actually being really nice to you. You're our first guest yeah. in the last... Um, few weeks that we haven't started recording after 9 p.m. So, um, <laughs> so thank you. Appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and actually, I felt bad asking her to do it at this time. But, um, hey, seven is Glad much earlier than others. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so today's show, uh, like we talked about in our intro, um, we are going to talk about Missouri's MRAP program. And Lisa kind of is at the the front of that Um that that works. So we're just going to kind of jump right into it. So before we get into the details of MRAP, uh, introduce yourself. Tell us what you do for um, the Missouri Department of Conservation. And then um, since you have lived here for quite a while now, what is your favorite thing about uh, the Missouri outdoors?
2: Okay. Well, that second part is going to be a hard one because I love so much of it. Um, But no, first off, um, appreciate you guys having me on, giving me the opportunity to talk about MRAP um, it's a relatively new program so I'm glad to to help uh, answer some questions and talk a bit about about the program um, but as an introduction uh, Lisa Potter I'm uh, uh, serve as the farm bill coordinator for Missouri Department of Conservation that's in our community and private land services branch so um, really what that means is I provide support to our field staff in Providing guidance and and recommendations on how to help our private landowners um, uh, improve the fish, forest, and wildlife on their farms. Whether that's a a hobby farm, you know, a place just for hunting, or if that's a working ag, you know, uh, operation, you know, row crop pasture. um, And there's lots of different programs out there, conservation programs. Whether that is Uh, administered by Missouri Department of Conservation or the federal government, like the Natural Resource Conservation Service. Um, We all know that that habitat management can be an expensive uh, venture, and so there's lots of different programs out there that provide financial assistance um, to to landowners um, to help them meet their objectives, whatever that may be. Um, And so my role as a farm bill coordinator is is to try my best to stay up on all those programs out there, particularly the the federal farm bill programs, um, and then um, basically share and provide guidance to our field biologists so they can share that message and share that opportunity with our our Missouri landowners. So, yeah, I've been with the department for, um, actually, I just had my 14-year anniversary um, last month. So, and the whole time has been in private lands it's private land conservation is certainly a passion of mine and in a state that's over 90 percent uh, privately owned I, I it's a very important aspect of conservation in missouri as well so very very uh um happy and proud to, to serve where I am with the department
1: nice well congratulations on the 14 years yeah, yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. time flies i can't believe it's been that long already yeah <laughs>
0: Okay, so that was a good introduction, but I'm not going to let you get by on that oh, second question.
2: Oh, yes, the, the, the second question, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> well, like I said, there's so much that I enjoy, um, and I don't know if I, I have a, a super cool answer for you, um, but really what I love about the outdoor in Missouri is just the, the number of opportunities we have. I mean, whether it's the Missouri department of conservation areas, whether it's the state parks, you know, from that, that DR DNR administers, I mean, you know, you drive 30 minutes to an hour and you have an opportunity, whether that's hunting or hiking or bird watching or photography. Um, so, So that's, that's one part of it. And the other part I think that is really cool about Missouri is just the diversity of the habitats. I mean, Missouri is one of the most diverse um, states in the in the country in terms of the different natural communities it offers. You know, glades and sand prairies and tall grass prairies and woodlands, and so just having the opportunity to you know drive a few hours and it's you know like you're in a different different world. Yeah, <laughs> the habitat around you. So, um, and then just the passion, um, just the passion of the folks that that work in conservation. Um, you know. Speaking of Missouri Department of Conservation, I think you know our staff are some of the most passionate people and dedicated people to you know advancing conservation and helping our landowners and um, yeah, so that that's also a really cool part of uh, or a highlight of Missouri is just the the passion and dedication of everybody working in conservation. Not to mention our you know private landowners. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I've that was more than one thing. Oh no, that's <laughs> okay.
0: Yeah, that's fine. I've <laughs> said it uh, several times on our show. It's almost like you could find a piece of a bunch of states all around us in our state. You know, yes. like you, you said, you're from Kansas. You can you can see Kansas in a lot of parts of Missouri, right? You can see the South in a lot of parts of the South. You know, you're in the Ozark Mountains and you feel like you're in in Tennessee, Tennessee, in the Appalachians, um, yeah. and you know, then parts of the northern part of the state look just like Iowa. Other parts don't look like Iowa at all. It's just crazy <laughs> how, you know, you can drive, like you said, even half an hour and you go from what you thought was open crop ground to rolling hills and, um, yeah. you know, all kinds of cool stuff. So, yeah, I agree with you on that. Okay. Yeah, no,
2: that's a really good, good way to, to put it. Yeah. You can see lots of different states in, in our state. <laughs> yeah,
0: I agree. Uh, not California, though. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> um okay. So let's talk about this MRAP program. Um, like we talked about in our uh intro, this was brought up actually by a listener uh, several months ago and it made us think about doing a show on it. So reached out to you and you're you've been gracious enough to come on and talk about it. So let's just start from the the very top and then we can work our way down, but give everybody just an overview about what it is um, well, how about when it started, what it is, when it started, and then we'll kind of just work from there. Okay.
2: Yeah, sure. Um, so MRAP is an acronym. Um, it's the Missouri Outdoor Recreational Access Program. So, you know, mouthful there. So we say MRAP. <laughs> so, so what this program is, it's a voluntary program that provides compensation to private landowners who are willing to open up their lands to the public for outdoor recreation, whether that's, you know, hunting, fishing, um, wildlife viewing. Um, essentially, we offer pretty much any kind of access type that you would you know, want um, through our MRAP program. Um, it's a relatively new new program. Um, uh, and we we held our first pilot in 2015. Um, and it was kind of uh, in the north central part of, of Missouri. Um, and it, we really have four main objectives of MRAP. Okay, the first one is to increase and enhance wildlife habitat for small game and other wildlife species, Um, increase the interest and the number of small game hunters, increase youth hunter recruitment, and then also provide wildlife watching opportunities. Um, So in our pilot, um, our goal was to enroll 1200 acres um, and we exceeded that and enrolled around 1400, you know, that was kind of kind of test is, is this type of, of, program going to be, you know, accepted by Missouri, Missouri landowners. Um, and I should say also, um, that we're one of the, the later States to adopt one of these, um, outdoor access programs. Um, so aside from that pilot, the next step we went to was, uh, getting funding through, um, the farm bill, the, Um, which is a huge omnibus bill that provides, you know, billions of dollars for private land conservation. And one of those programs is called the Voluntary Public Access Habitat Incentive Program. So in 2016, we applied, we submitted a proposal and received our first grant for $1.1 million. Um, So really the MRAP really got started in 2016. Uh, We had an acreage goal of 10,000 acres. We again exceeded that. Um, I believe under that first grant, we um, um, hit 15,000 acres. Um, These grants are only three years. So we applied for a second grant um, and again uh, received, um, uh, were thankfully accepted, um, received a grant and that one was for almost almost double the funding of 2.2 million acres. And that's what we, or excuse me, $2.2 million. Um, And that's what we're currently working with. And our acreage goal for that funding um, is to hopefully reach 30,000 acres of MRAP lands that are open to the public. Um, So that is one of the the benefits of of this program is that within that grant, um, all the the payments, um, whether that's the the rental payments to landowners or the habitat improvement payments, um, 93% of that is covered by this federal grant. So only, you know, the remaining 7% is coming from the Missouri Department of Conservation funds. So um, it's a really great way to to leverage um, federal funds through that Farm Bill legislation um, to to really, you know, increase access, but then also, you know, increase habitat. You know, that last part of that federal program is Habitat Improvement Program. So that's a really important component as well to this program.
0: Okay, so... I'm gonna go off on a tangent. Well, not really, but I'm gonna go off of what I was gonna go do go to next, which which was, uh, you know, about how many acres do you think you guys have in it now, and then, you know, how do you get a landowner involved? But you were talking about habitat, mm-hmm. and interestingly enough, we had a, a show with another Missouri Department of Conservation um, person a few months ago, a month ago, I don't know which one. Um, <laughs> uh, turkeys. Her name oh, is yeah, slipping oh, all out of my mind right now. Yeah. But anyway, uh, talking about the the de- decline of the turkey population in Missouri, are you all working um, with maybe that department on maybe targeting some of these private lands to work on some some turkey habitat as well um, to maybe spearhead that potential problem? Um, and if you don't know, that's fine. But it's just it, it hit my head uh, as soon as you started talking about that, and sure. Um, any any plans on those types of things?
2: So, so I wouldn't say we're working directly like, uh, you know, our turkey biologist is, is, you know, helping us with with MRAT policy kind mm-hmm. of stuff, guidelines. But the other, you know, I think something that that uh, sets our Missouri program apart is that even to be eligible for landowners to enroll, they have to have at least 20% of their offered acres qualify as quality habitat. Um, so we're surrounded by, by other states um, that, that have these walk-in programs and, you know, and they're, they're, they're good programs, great programs, but not a lot of them have that minimum habitat requirement. So along those lines, you know, we're using the science of, you know, what makes good turkey habitat, what makes good quail habitat, what makes good, you know, monarch butterfly habitat and we work that into what qualifies as quality habitat on these lands. So we wanna make sure that, you know, the, these access areas that we're offering to the public, you know, that there's gonna be wildlife there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess, you know, maybe not directly answering your question, we're still doing our best to make sure that we're providing good turkey habitat or quail habitat. Um, and we have different access types and we can go into that a little bit later, but. yeah. Um, you know, and, and I will say that's the minimum. The twenty percent is the minimum to be eligible to enroll the property. Um, but our average, if you look at all our properties, fifty-four percent of our um offered acres qualify as um quality habitat. So these MRAP properties, they, they they're they're providing the habitat for lots of critters out there.
0: Well, and we can even maybe when we get into like some of the incentives. I was reading about it um <laughs> this week a little more and you know, like some of the incentives you have for landowners. Um, you know, maybe that's, that's something that, uh, you guys are looking at too, but anyways, just hit me. I'll, I'll promise I'll get back on track now. (laughs) Um, okay. So talk about it from a landowner's perspective, like right, right now about how many acres would you say are enrolled in the program? I'm guessing it's over 10,000 since you said that number one time. Uh, and then how do you get landowners involved and how does a landowner landowner, um, you know start down that that road if they want to do it
2: sure sure so um pr- probably the best way uh, that landowners become aware or that this this program might fit their needs um is after talking to one of our private lands conservationists um you know that that's one way so for instance if they you know asked a private land conservationist on their farm you know working farmer <coughs> excuse me or, or whatever you know, that private land conservation knows this program is available and, you know, just says, Hey, this, this is an option. It might work for you. It might not. Um, but you know, you can learn more about it, you know, from our website or I can, I can help you enroll or, or whatever. Um, we typically have about two enrollment periods per year. Um, and so, you know, we put out press releases, um, you know, the, the typical way that, that MDC, you know, distributes that throughout the state. And so that's another way that folks can become aware of when there's, there's sign up opportunities um, to be eligible. There's a there's a couple minimum qualifications. You know, I already um, mentioned the 20 percent quality habitat um, and to determine that. Um, a a private lands conservation or another MDC staff person or our Quail Forever Farm Bill biologist, who's also partners with us on on this program, can come out and evaluate the property form to determine if they meet that 20% minimum. Um, The other um, big criteria is that um, the minimum acreage size is 40 acres. Um, the, The one caveat to that, we have a wildlife viewing access option only. Um, and the minimum acreage size of, of that is for for is five acres. Um, and largely, the wildlife viewing is, is only eligible in our top uh, um, our, our top 15 most populous counties um, in in Missouri. So you know, typically in you know uh, more populated counties, the acreage is a little bit smaller. So we decrease that minimum. Um, so 20% quality habitat. Um, 40 acre minimum um, for, for most properties. So those are kind of the, the minimum qualifications. Um, and then it's a matter of, of, you know, setting up a site visit with, with the landowner, or excuse me, with our, our biologist, and they'll come out and evaluate the property, um, you know, determine which access type that the landowner would, would like to, to be involved in. Um, there's different payments associated with different access types. Uh, we do offer six different um, uh, access types. Um, And kind of the the idea or concept behind us offering all these different access types, what we're really trying to provide, you know, different situations that would, you know, fit the landowner, you know, because some of our access options, some of our are open year round, some are only open for, you know, just the the periods of the whatever game season, you know, that, that they've signed up for. Um, so we tried to provide enough options where we, we we could fit a multiple of landowners' objectives and comfort level with yeah. opening the properties up, up to the public. So again, we've got a all access hunting and fishing. So essentially anything within the wildlife code, um, you know, is is eligible to be um you know sought after on that property. And that's open, you know, 12 months a year, year round. Uh, the property is open hour before sunrise and in uh, hour after sunset. Um, uh, the uh, another one is small game and turkey hunting. Um, so you know, like it sounds, it's it's focused on small game and turkey, but also includes you know frogs, rabbits, squirrels, quail, pheasant, uh, snipe, woodcock. Also, wa- waterfowl um, is in there as well. Um, and so those properties are only open, you know, during the seasons for, for those wildlife species. Uh, so if someone is not comfortable with having the property open year round, then that might better fit them. We have a youth only hunting access type. So only, you know, kids under 16 with a, they have to have a, an adult uh, with them when they hunt are eligible to take anything and hunt on that property. You know, the idea being there, you know, trying to of course increase, youth recruitment um, into hunting in the outdoors. And um, the idea with these youth only properties is, you know, maybe uh, get rid of some of that competition, um, you know, high use area, you know, sometimes the high use conservation areas. So youth only Um, that is also open year round. We have uh, archery only. Um, So, and that's only open September 15th through February 15th Um, and then during a statewide youth and regular spring turkey season, but like it sounds, the only way to take is through archery. So maybe a landowner who's not comfortable with, you know, firearms um, being used on on their property, maybe archery is a better option for them. Um, And I also already mentioned our wildlife viewing. Um, So no no hunting or fishing on wildlife viewing and those properties are, you know, hiking, photography, Um, just the general enjoyment of of the outdoors um, with no take so wildlife viewing could be an option for folks that just aren't comfortable with any kind of harvest um, being done on their properties and then lastly our last option is a fishing only Um, and so yeah like it sounds fishing only on that (laughs) property Um, so so we're we've done a good job of providing a lot of different options where landowners can you know find their comfort level uh, of you know how much and how often you know they'd like to open their lands up to the to the public um again on the the landowner side of things um the landowner retains the rights of course to you know basically carry on like normal you know they, they can you know still continue the farming you know, have livestock on there. We, we do have some periods, you know, on some, you know, if, if they have qualified their pasture acres as quality habitat, you know, then we ask, they don't have that livestock on there during the open seasons that that's on their property, but both for the, the safety of the public users, but also for their livestock and the cows.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely yeah. For the cows. that looked a lot like a deer when I thought it. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. So, so the landowner can go about their business like normal. Um, um I've lost my train of thought. Oh, and also um, they aren't bound by the access type. So in other words, for for example, um, if they enrolled in a small game and turkey property, right? To right. the public, they cannot hunt deer, but say that landowner is a deer hunter. He can, of course, he or she can continue with deer hunting. Um, they can actually, you know, if they've got a fa- friends or family that also want to deer hunt on that property, that's also okay. They, they have to go through a couple jumps or steps of, you know, basically getting a permission form, you know, from the landowner mm-hmm. and signed by the government. So then if an agent does come to that, conservation agent does come to that property, you know, that person that's hunting on that small game and turkey pop uh, access type and say, I have permission to do this from the landowner. So, so the landowner um, really just carries on um, as normal.
1: Okay. So do, do they carry, I would, do they carry any liability? With anything like, if somebody was to get hurt on their property or anything like that, I read that answer already. Yeah. But yeah. well, I mean, I, I I know the answer, but I'm it'd also be nice really to... proud of you for trying to spell that word. <laughs> yeah. So
0: as you were talking, Micah wrote down that that word, and you, you did a really good job, buddy. I'm Thanks, man. I appreciate it. <laughs> no, that almost, is a... almost almost.
2: <laughs> you guys can explain it if you want. It sounds like you're in the know. It
1: probably sound better coming from you. <laughs>
2: Well, no, that's a, a very important and common question. Um, and thankfully, Missouri um, has a statute. It's called the Missouri Recreational Use Immunity Statute. And it, it doesn't just apply to MRAP. It's actually just a you know statewide uh, general Missouri statute law um, that basically, so, I mean, there's lots of legal jargon, but I'll try to summarize it so <laughs> that Um, As long as a landowner is not accepting money from that hunter. So in other words, you know, as long as as he's not, you know, um, you know, Joe comes up to the door and says, I want to hunt, I'll give you 50 bucks. um, You know, that would mean they would not fall under this immunity statute. But essentially as long as the landowner is not accepting money directly from the public user, then they fall under this immunity and they would not be held liable for anyone getting hurt um, or or, you know, anything along those lines on their property. Um, They have to make sure, you know, if they have any kind of ultra hazard um, on their property, like an open well or something, they have to declare that and, you know, make sure that it's marked and the public is aware that yes, this is a risk, but As long as they do that and they're not accepting any kind of funds directly from that that hunter or public user, then they fall under that um, immunity statute.
1: Okay. Okay. We're going to take that little piece and save it and just go... Me and Nathan been trying to get permission on this one property of a family friend. But <laughs> she she keeps on telling us no. And she's like, I just don't want the liability of it. And I'm like, and don't we take, told her this. We'll just
0: do it for free. Yeah. We don't even pay you. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to pay you anything. We just want and, – But and
1: she's just not into hunting or anything like that. And, sure. But we're going to take that little snippet and give it to her and be like, here, here's your proof. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I think that's big for landowners
0: uh, on this – in this program because – um, I'm sure that's a question you get asked when a landowner's thinking about it. And then they also, it seems like to me, at least from reading about it before we talk to you, that they've got a lot of say in what goes on at their property. And then also they can make money. Um, now we, we could talk about some of the general, I, you know, general call co- or general payments they make, but you know, if you've got. 300 acres that you're not doing a whole lot with and you want to be able to maybe pay for that land a little bit. And you get to say, Hey, I don't like guns or I don't want people shooting guns here. So I don't want them hunting deer with guns. Okay. Well, they don't have to archery Uh, only yeah, archery only. So, you know, you, you've given them, uh, I don't know, a lot of say in what it is that is going on, uh, on, on their land. And they also can make money. And then they can also, as, as long as they're not being really negligent and taking side money from people, not be held accountable or liable for, um, accountable was the wrong word, liable for um, <laughs> things people might do on their property when they're there. So that probably helps in getting people to sign up for this. I mean, if it was the other way around and you said not we can't protect you and nope they get to do whatever they want and they can also bring four-wheelers in which we'll talk about access in a second um and you don't get to say anything about it i would think you'd have a hard time getting people to sign their land up for it
2: yeah Uh, absolutely yeah i don't i don't think this program would work if we didn't have that statute on the books for sure i mean just wouldn't i mean if i had my own property you know, I mean, I, I would be pretty nervous, uh, you know, if, if I would just have a general public and there wasn't any kind of protection, you know, in, in case somebody got hurt, you know, I mean, you know, fall down and twist their ankle or something, you yeah. know, so you, you definitely hit the nail on the head there that that's a huge reason why why folks feel comfortable enough um, to, to do this. And, right. and like you said, I mean, this is, you know, I mean, it, economic as well, you know, economic benefits for the landowners, I mean, just like you said, I mean. You know, we all know land's expensive and those payments, you know, come, come in every year for, for a long time. And so if there's a way that that you can get a little bit of financial assistance to, to maybe keep the habitat, you know, rather than, you know, being forced to convert to, to crop or, you know, whatever to, yeah. to pay, pay for the land. Um, and then, you know, on top of the, the annual lease payments or rental payments um, that, that we offer, if they are interested in doing, you know, habitat improvement, then, you know, we're, we're offering 90% cost share uh, in most cases, um, which is, you know, you know quite, quite a big chunk of, the, of what it costs to to put in new habitat, whether that's, you know, um, afford planting or timber stand improvement or basically anything that we offer in our just our typical MDC landowner cost share program. Those practices are all um, available for our MRAP landowners at 90% cost share. And,
0: and that's where I was going to go back to turkeys when we when I said earlier I might come back to it is for a landowner that's thinking about doing this, you know, 90% cost share, if you're trying to help your habitat and you're worried about turkeys in Missouri, like a lot of us are. Um, Mm -hmm. and you can say, Hey, I want to make this, this 400 acres a better spot for turkeys in Missouri. And I'm going to have, I'm assuming people who know what they're doing with MDC helping me with it. And then also, if I got that correctly, paying 90% of the cost. Um, I could even take the money that they're paying me and probably pay for a good portion of the cost. Probably not, yep. but you know, at least some of it. So, good portion. you know, I mean, that's one area. If I'm a guy thinking about how we can help our turkey back out in Missouri, you get private landowners sign- signing up for this program should they choose to, and then they want to improve it. And they're worried about the turkey. I mean, you get 10,000 acres of people doing that, and our turkey might not look so bad. Um, I wonder if there's a way for them to make the habitat better for turkey and also horrible for raccoons, coyotes, and all those bad guys. <laughs> I, think whenever,
1: I think in general, whenever you make the habitat better, it's you usually make it better for, for everybody. Them. Yeah. So, but yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah,
2: no, the, the habitat on private land, I mean, you're talking, you know, get kind of off the, the program, you know, details, but I mean it is essential. If we want to have healthy wildlife populations, because our state is 90% private land, I mean, we have to have engaged private landowners um helping, you know, create the habitat out there. I mean, our, our conservation areas and our parks, I mean, they're essential, you know, their refugees are they're, they're essential, you know, strongholds for our populations, but you know, when you look at a map, there's still just dots on the map until we get, you know, m- more of our private landowners, you know, able or interested in, in providing some habitat out there. You know, I and mean, that's the more private land habitat out there, the the more uh, healthy and stable our wildlife populations, including turkey. will be. Yeah,
0: that's cool, though, that they can work on that stuff. You know, they're they're getting paid a, a little bit for their land and then they get to say, what it is that you can do here. And then while they're at it, they might actually get to only have to pay 10% of the cost on getting stuff done that might actually help that lamb where they might not do it just because it's too expensive before. You yeah. Um. you know, I mean, if I had 2000 acres, uh, that'd be great by the way. Um, <laughs> hey, me too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, that would at least be something I'd maybe consider. Um, so going back to payment and you don't have to I'm break sh- down I'm sure every it, little number. Yeah, but, I'm
1: sure it varies property yes. by property and, and what, what they you all, allow and yeah, and yeah, what goes on. But yeah. kind of a broad view of if you're interested, this is what you could make type situation.
2: Yeah. Um, probably the, the easiest way to answer that, that question is our average annual payment to, to landowners. Um, and that's right around $22, dollars um, per acre. Um, and that's based on a, you know, you know, we have ranking sheets and evaluation sheets that, you know, will, will spit out the the final number, um, but, you know, kind of starts with the base payment. So, for instance, if, and I won't go through them all, don't worry, um, <laughs> but you, if you select like all access, you know, obviously that's, you know, all hunting and fishing year round. And so, you know, potentially the most users. So that's going to be the highest dollar practice. So, um, and, and then kind of goes down in dollar figure from there, kind of based on, you know, the um, number of species length that the properties open, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, But then it also depends on your quality habitat. So, and in quality habitat, um, you know, just what we mean by that. So if, if that landowner had previously done a, you know, worked with the department and done some habitat improvement through our cost share program, those acres are going to qualify as quality habitat. If they did use some other program, you know, federal program or soil and water program um, for for wildlife habitat, that's going to be quality habitat. Um, And then we also have, even if they have not, you know, done their work through some program, there's um, wildlife habitat appraisal guides um, that a biologist can go out there and basically just evaluates, you know, that stand basic on, and it'll, tell you whether that's good habitat or bad habitat for that community type. Um, So depending on how many acres of quality habitat, they get so many dollars for for those. So for instance, like $10 per acre for every acre that's quality habitat, uh, qualifies as quality habitat. And then the um, dollar per acre for, you know, kind of the lesser wildlife value, um, they get either, you know, like $2 an acre or, no dollars, like if you're talking about, you know, just like row crop, you know, um, uh, acres that doesn't, doesn't have much life value at all. So um, so that was kind of a, a long <laughs> long description, but the, the, the $22, $23 per acre, it's based on your access type. It's, it's based on the amount of quality habitat you have on the property. Um, we also give um, potential bonuses um, that increases the rate. Uh, depending on where they're located so say you know Missouri Department of Conservation has some priority geographies you know that we're really trying to focus you know landscape scale restoration so if their property happens to fall within one of our community conservation um, priority geographies or quail restoration landscape then they'd get a couple more dollars to that so again trying to incentivize those landowners that we know that you know we're trying to get that landscape scale restoration in that geography, so maybe encourage them to to sign up. Um, And they also get a bonus um, if they um, pledge to do or or agree to do uh, additional habitat management. So if, you know, there's different rates. If they say, okay, I'm going to do some kind of, apply some kind of habitat practice on 5% of my property, they'll get another couple bucks. If I you know, say I'm going to do um, wildlife habitat on 10% of my property, they get, you know, a couple more dollars. So, the habitat um, improvement is also worked into that that annual payment. So, those are the main categories that we base the the payment on to get to that average um, 23 $24 per acre. Nice. Okay.
0: Uh, okay, so let's, well, before we get to the user... Let's talk Mm -hmm. about access, um, which is pretty simple, but, um, access from what I read is basically walk-in only on foot, no vehicles.
2: Correct. Uh, Yeah. Walk-in only, um, carry in, carry out. So, you know, if somebody has got a deer stand, you know, they've got to pack it in and pack it out that same day. There's no putting up deer stands and, you know, kind of holding the spot or, or, you know, whatever you want to call it. So. Um, yeah, walking only, no vehicles, no horses, (laughs) um, no camping, no alcohol, no fireworks, basically all the things that, that you can't, you know, do on most conservation areas. You can't do on these MRAP properties either. Um, The only, only equipment that can be, um, I guess, carried in is on our fishing areas. uh, You know, they can carry in a, you know, a kayak or canoe. Mm
0: -hmm. You ever had problems with, and I think that's great. Uh, We'll talk about people misusing stuff, but have you ever had problems with, you were talking about how the landowner can still do whatever they want to do on their own property. Um, So let's say during deer season, during the archery portion of deer season, the landowner drives his or her uh, four-wheeler. Let's say it's a thousand acres across, you know, a good portion of the land parks it and then goes in and hunts and people see that person using their four-wheeler not knowing it's the landowner maybe, and then saying, oh, I can do that too. And then you start, have you had that happen where you've got to address it or do you kind of train the landowner on some of those issues they might run into even though they have total access to their own property? Um,
2: So so we've definitely had those calls before. Um, um, you know, just public users saying, you know, basically, you know, trying to do a good thing of, you know, hey, I saw this guy on an ATV on this property, you know, he's not supposed to do that. You know, I can't do it. So this guy can't do it. Um, And so um, what, what we generally do or our process there is to um, ask our conservation agents to, you know, patrol the area a little bit more frequently, um, you know, talk to the landowner, you know, say, hey, you know, um we had this report have you seen any, you know are you having issues with the public coming on with with atvs so when landowners sign up you know we give them the number of the conservation agent and encourage them if they see anything have any problems you know call up that agent um and so um, we haven't i have not heard any reports or received complaints of of other people you know kind of the scenario you said you know they (laughs) see that you know somebody else doing an atv so then they bring their ATV. No, I I have not um, had any kind of reports like that, but we definitely get the calls of, hey, I saw this guy you know, driving around in a truck or an ATV or whatever, and then we we look into it. Yeah. Sure, whether it was a landowner or not or someone from the public.
0: Right. Yeah, well, I guess that one wouldn't bother me as much, although I'd be a little cranky if somebody called on me as the landowner. But, (laughs) you know, how do they know maybe? But um, the other one is with the one I'd be more worried about Mm -hmm. if, You know, I had questions. Is, well, all right. I'm out here using my ATV, or I'm driving my truck through a field because I'm a farmer, and that's what we do. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then some dudes four wheeling in my damn bean field or something. Right. Um, Yeah. You know, that's a good way to get people to remove themselves really quickly. But so, how do you? Let's move into the uh, the user. So we already talked about access, walk in only. Um, I'm guessing you have signage. Put up in these areas that say that pretty obviously.
2: Yes, absolutely. So we post, um, you know, all the boundaries um, of the properties when they enroll. Um, that we actually offer the option for the landowner to post their own boundaries, basically put up on MRAP signs, and and each MRAP sign is you know color coded and it's got the access type of you know the the property um so far no landowners taken us up only the option to post it themselves <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh,
2: um, So Work so smarter not harder <laughs> yeah. yeah um but uh anyway so yes we we post um the property all the way around um if it's if it's fence you, you know we put Put the signs on the fence you know otherwise you know we'll use trees or you know whatever is available to, to post those boundaries and have you know end of use um, signs as well um, and then we also have a kiosk at the uh, uh, all properties um so when you, when you go to our mrap site on the mbc website um you could and you hit basically public user i believe is what it says um, it brings up a interactive map, which you know identifies where all the properties are around the state. It also has a table that lists the, the properties, what kind of access type, you know, what county, where it is, um, what kind of habitats out there. Um, and then on the in that table, there's a link um, to to the map um, that you that you can you know print out or look at or you know look on. Avenza app um, where that GPS um, is available through that Avenza app, which is a really cool thing. Um, And anyway, on those maps is, um, you know, points where the registration site is, the parking and the kiosk. And we ask that all the users um, fill out, you know, a card um, at that kiosk that, you know, ask a few questions, you know, basically, you know, where are you coming from? So we can get information of how far people are traveling in order to get to one of these MRAP. MRAP, Mrap sites. Um, you know how many people are in the, the party again, you know the, the reason for those cards is just basically to help us evaluate the program you know to see you know what folks are like and what they're not. Um, you know we asked them to to rate you know how was your experience? Um, you know how was the habitat? Um, and you know just to, to throw out some some good numbers um, you know based on these cards and this is over through the life of the program, um, 62% of our users um, were satisfied with, with their experience. Um, and then for overall habitat rating, um, 32% said the habitat was excellent and 47% said it was good. So even the public users, I mean, they're, they're giving us really important information to help us evaluate, you know, how the property is doing. Are, are they working? Are, there, are they enjoying it? Um, so it's really important that when folks go to these properties to enjoy them, that they sign in at that kiosk, um, which is located on the maps. Um, and of course, you know there'll be the the rules and um, you know any other important information about that property will be posted there on that kiosk.
0: Better than you had before, That's yeah. what I'd say. <laughs> um, all right, so for the user then, uh, you already basically said it, but you can go find these um, pieces of land on the website. Um, so give that website out real quick and then we'll have you do it again at the end of the show, which I know what it right. is. But.
2: So probably the, the easiest way to do it is just go to our, our public, you know, the MDC, the mdc.mo.gov website and then in the search, put an MRAp, and it'll, it'll take you right there.
0: Okay. And then I don't know if you know this or not, but so I'm one of those guys that sometimes I have a hard time finding government lands, whether it's like, you know, uh, national forest or state land or MDC land or, and not even in just Missouri. Mm-hmm. Right. So do, are these properties listed on services like on base map? Um, and forgive me if you have no idea what the hell I'm talking about with those services, <laughs> but can you, do they show up as like a public ground or something that mm-hmm. someone would see them on those, uh, those services
2: yeah now i know what you're talking about and i and i can't answer your question i i I know that i've heard anyway that at least one of those apps do include the the mrap sites um but i would certainly strongly recommend that you the mdc site because yeah we do have properties you know that um, might change access type um, or they withdraw from the program. And so, you know, obviously our MDC data is real time. You know, what you see on the website is what's gonna be out there. Um, and sometimes the, those apps, you know, they might not have gotten our most recent change, you know, and nobody wants to drive or get all excited about deer hunting or, you know, whatever, and then go out to a site and and see it's, you know, not there or something has changed. So. Um, so I guess that's halfway answered your question that, that I think some of the apps out there do include some of the MRAP sites, but I recommend using the the yeah. MD site and map.
0: You know, what it would have been a really good idea is for me to go check before this. Yeah. Cause my, <laughs> my dumb ass, for some reason, I have a subscription to Onyx and base map. Um, and so I probably could have got on both of them and done, <laughs> done the different layers yeah. and figured it out. Yeah. But, I I should
2: probably do that search too, as as the program manager myself, just to see how how accurate they are.
0: You know, I'm just kind of I was asking that question, kind of speaking to the guy or gal. It's kind of like me that sometimes when you're looking for public land access, doesn't matter what organization or entity, it can be a bit I don't know troublesome, (laughs) overwhelming. Like you don't know. What you don't know, I guess, and so yep. you know the easier it is for someone to find these these lands or these spots. Um, and honestly, if you live in Missouri or not from Missouri, really going to MDC's website is probably a good idea. It just seems like a lot of people will just use those services.
1: Yep.
0: Um, me being included, and then still not be sure. And it wouldn't be a horrible idea then to maybe go take that next step and get on the actual website and go oh okay mm-hmm. you know it's not that hard to find it's just harder than opening up an app that's what i'll say yeah. and sometimes people yeah. don't want to do that um yeah. no, so that's they a need good they form. need to but yeah um okay so and and like she's and like um you said all of the information is right there so if i'm looking to archery deer hunt or whatever we'll just stay with that and I can go find the different properties within the county I live or want to go to that offer that as an option.
2: Absolutely. So the so the website um, you can, you know, sort by county, you can sort by access type, you can sort by county and access type. Um, and so really you can narrow down on the specifics of, of where you're headed where you want to go and and what you what kind of outdoor activity they're looking for
1: where is there a certain area of the state that is more saturated with the people that are more willing to do this or is it sporadic i mean i know we've
2: got a pretty good distribution except for the southwest southwest and western ozark area we've kind of got a bare spot
0: let's go 417 (laughs) what's that i said let's go 417
2: (laughs) um we've got quite a few up in the northwest part of the state and southeast those are probably our our two areas with the most properties but we still have some in the northeast and central areas as well and st louis and kansas city nice
0: and about got a, how, yeah, about we, got, how many- we
2: got a big hole i want to i want to hopefully uh re- maybe reach out to landowners a little bit more and see if the program could fit their their needs so Build- a-
0: about how many acres are we at right now i know you said a, a- approximately earlier, but
2: we, we are just under 14,000 now. Um, and we've got, um, about three more years, two and a half more years, um, in this current grant. Um, and so we're hoping to bring that up to 30,000, um, that this last year, um, you know, just with the pandemic and, and all that, um, we, we had an, uh, an enrollment opportunity, um, and we actually have what we enrolled, um, about 1,200 more and we've got another 2,200 or so currently being evaluated. Um, So we we did get uh, interested folks uh, this year, but enrollment was certainly down. Just, you know, we didn't have the outreach, we didn't have the interaction like we have in in, um, past years. So we're very hopeful that in the next two, two and a half years or so, we'll be able to hit that that 30,000 acre goal.
1: um, Do you find the, the, I know the program's still pretty new, uh, but do you find that when people do sign up to have their property in this program, do they tend to stay in it for a while or are they, they dropping out at some point or is there a trend there?
2: There is a trend that they, they stay enrolled. I mean, okay. we've certainly had landowners, um, you know, get out of the program and, mo- and I would say at least eight out of 10 um, situations. It's because they've sold the property mm. um, and that's why they, they need to withdraw from the program. Um, but no, we've, we've still got landowners, you know, that, that rolled with us in our pilot in 2015. Um, you know, so, uh, folks, uh, our participating landowners have, have been pretty satisfied, um, with, with how it's gone and haven't, thankfully haven't had, you know, major issues that would make them, you know, want to withdraw from the program.
0: Good. Yeah. And I think that's the thing that as a landowner that might be scared is they probably worry about. You know, you've heard stories, and un- unfortunately, there have been cases where people treat state property like straight trash, and they yeah. don't treat it right. And I, one of the big things I like about this is it's only walk-in.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Listen, people, walk in. <laughs> um, walk-in only. Um, and so that's one way to keep damage down. And then, you know, if people just treat it like it's theirs, it... it stuff like this continues to get better um, because 14,000 acres currently, that's a lot of land that people can enjoy that yeah. before this program existed, weren't there. Cause it was on private ground. So you, un- unless you walked up to the person's farm and said, Hey, can I go play around? You weren't going in there right. unless you were trespassing. Yeah. And then, <laughs> you know, but then you, you know, see things happen on state ground sometime. And you're just like, dear Lord, like take, simple things like not taking your tree stands down, you know, could aggravate a a private landowner, uh, even though you said they're supposed to take them out every single day, you know, that sort of stuff. So, you know, in order for a program like this to continue to grow, the people using it um, seem like they're treating it pretty well if, if landowners are staying in the program. So that's good to hear.
2: Yes, I I think so. I mean, I mean, our, our, our conservationists, our hunters and fishers, you know, that, that are out there, you know, they respect the land, you know, the, the far, far, far majority of them, you know, they don't want to see trash out there anymore than, you know, we do. Right. Um, and so, no, it's been, it's been great um, that, that our Missouri folks in and, and out of state, we get out of state people as well have, have respected the, the, the MRAP sites, the, the landowner, and we've had very few issues. Yeah.
0: The last thing I would want, you remember that one time you and I went hunting at that conservation land near where we live and mm-hmm. we pulled into the drive and there were three carcasses yeah on the yeah. you know three deer yeah. carcass you're just like come on that's too bad uh, yeah. they had been there for weeks you know and somebody had you know done their thing and then yeah. just dumped um, them just but- dumped them after they took
1: all the i'm pretty sure they took the meat off of them i if i remember right they it was one of those deals where they took the hindquarters and the yeah and left their, off yeah, yeah it was and so you know that
0: that's the type of stuff you hope doesn't continue happening on conservation land first off uh, although that's the only time i've seen something like that and then uh, obviously on this land so that's good to hear um i think it's a terrific idea that looks like it's doing pretty good and hopefully like you said gets to 30,000 acres um, soon is there anything we didn't hit that you want listeners to know about with the program i mean i know we can't get everything in but
2: well i guess probably you know for you know the public website or if you've got landowners listening that say hey that you know could be a cool thing for you know this property in you know one of my properties in whatever county um then on the website there's a link for landowners and so you can get more information you know the specifics you know steps one through whatever you know in terms of what's what's allowed or for different access types essentially you can get all the information you need to know to help make the decision of whether you're interested in applying to to for your property to be enrolled in MRAP, so all the information is there for the landowners. There's you know frequently asked questions. Um, there's a, a, a button specifically for public users. So I'm going to encourage folks to to visit the the MRAP website. Um, and then also if you are interested, in, you know getting you know somebody out there to evaluate your property um, on the MDC. Public website on the first page there's a contact us um, link at the top right if you click on that you can sort by your county um, get a hold of your private land conservationist and they can make a visit to your property and talk about the program and evaluate and see if if you're eligible to to enroll Um, but and I guess just an end um, you know I think this is a a great program Um, it, it makes it you know, even more convenient for a lot of folks to find a, a place to go and enjoy the outdoors. And, and if, if the pandemic has taught us anything, it's it's that, I mean, the, that people need and want to get outdoors. Um, you know, I think you all are aware that the numbers of folks visiting conservation areas and state parks just skyrocketed um, um, during this, this past year, um, so this program makes it a, a little easier, more convenient for folks to find a place to go enjoy Missouri outdoors, um, helps support our private landowners and, and keeping their, their property and, and maintaining and enhancing that wildlife habitat. Um, so I think uh, this program is, is uh, will hopefully continue to, to increase in um, both the acres and, and just general enjoyment from Missouri citizens.
0: Yeah. And so, you know, if you want to learn more both from a landowner uh, side and user side, go to mdc.mo.gov, um, type in MRAP, and you're you're going to be right there. Um, we'll link it in the show because I'm sure there's oh, uh, an easier way yeah. to get that too. But there,
2: um, there is. It's a really long um, website name. So that's why I just said go to the search. <laughs> yeah.
0: Make it a little easier. Yeah. But um, yeah. I, that's what I, you know, that's what we want to do is at least. Give landowners who are listening to this and users who are listening to this, uh, at least maybe they know about it now. Because what what's interesting is I feel like I'm pretty up on stuff that goes on in my state. Yet, here I am running a podcast and I had no freaking clue what that guy asked back when he asked it. And this the program had been around for, for almost five years by the time. We heard about it. I heard, you know, I heard about it. So the the more we can get that information out to people who can use it and or, um, utilize it, yeah, the better. So, um,
2: no, and thank you for that. Thanks for helping us get the word out. Yeah. So, uh,
0: we appreciate you coming on. Do you have anything else for Micah? I think I'm covered. Awesome. Anything else, Lisa?
2: No, I I don't think so. I enjoyed talking with you this evening. Thanks again for having me on. Yeah.
0: Yeah, So do we, well, we appreciate you coming on and we hope we have a good day.
2: All right, you too. Thanks.
1: All right. That's the show. My dog says the show's over. He's ready to go outside. Yeah. Trigger's been sitting, waiting patiently. He's like, dude, I really got to pee. He was laying down. Now he's standing. He's sitting, looking at me. He's like, come like, on, man. You all about on. done? Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> at least he hasn't walked through all of our cords. Yes. Yes. He's gotten better about that, I've noticed. Yes, he has. So uh so thanks to lisa for coming on yeah yeah it was I, good hopefully she i mean i think she did a great job of uh putting the information out there so now it's just a matter of if it's something that you guys want to maybe look into as far as uh access you know if you don't actually own land or something like that and there's not conservation or if there even if there is you might get on there and find out that there's 200 acres down the road that is owned by a farmer that doesn't mind if you come bow hunt there yeah so you know that's pretty cool and the more landowners
0: find out about this maybe we can this turkey problem we got in the state will start to get better if they start working on the habitat and you know i mean if you think about it if 90 percent of the land in missouri is privately owned
1: i mean it's almost entirely up to the private landowner to fix the yeah. problem we now have i mean think of the difference if we got 10 percent of that of them to do something right. to help out. So, so right. hey, that that's kind of promising. I mean, you know, if they get
0: 30,000 acres, I have no I freaking idea how what percentage of the state that
1: really is, but it can't hurt. No, you know? I I mean, it, it it does nothing but make things better, hopefully, you know, I would assume. Yeah. So, you know, hopefully some farmers get on there or just landowners in general and you know, offer up their property for whatever access they choose to do. So, All right. Yep. Uh, So thanks for listening, Micah. This is the Missouri Woods and Water Podcast. That is the wrong time for that, bro. I already did that in the intro. This was the. You just got to say goodbye now. That's all you got to do. I mean, I feel like it could have gone either way. You want to say this was the Missouri? Yeah. This was the Missouri Woods and Water Podcast. That's how we're going to end this week. (laughs) All right. All right. See you guys.